You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM, crossing the Rubicon. John Lefebvre, welcome to Dublin South FM. How are you, my friend? How are you? That's, that's my finest frogs here. It's great to be uh, great to be back in Dublin, even if it's virtually. I think I told virtually. you all before my daughter went to school there. So she lived up in Crane Lane, just down off Dame. And we uh, walked back and forth from there to Trinity. And I said, didn't they used to hang Catholics there? Something like that. We don't, we, we don't talk about troubles anymore, I guess, do we? Don't. Well, we might be. We might be. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You've, well, bless you your know, hearts for getting over it. I've been listening and doing a bit of research, well, trying to oh. do a little bit of research, you know, a musician, songwriter, you know, a retired lawyer, activist, gambler, I will say, uh, on it as well. I just think I, I heard that when you in 1969, you were 17. That's when I was born. That's I was a man of the 1969. I was born and I say I was born in the 60s, but you lived us. You lived the 60s. And a colourful life, uh, from riches to rags, I heard someone, or from, you know, a man that possibly kissed a Blarney Stone as well when he was over here. But we're, we're, about, we're about to discover. We're about Those were crazy days, Joe. Crazy when days. Like, when I was a kid, we listened to Bobby Vinton, and then uh, the next thing you know, it was, you know, The Who. The Who, yes. Things just blew wide open, you know. It, you know was, pretty, it was pretty crazy. I was meant to go to the Who last year and it was cancelled, cancelled because we went to late. Right. We had to be six Yeah, I got cancelled out of Roger apart. Waters. Yes, yes. Disgusted, disgusted on it. But the 70s, look, every, look, if you were born in the 60s or the 70s or the 80s, when you're in your late teens, it's awesome. For me, it was the 80s. And, you know, the music in the 80s, I have to say, listening back now was amazing. And they don't have mm-hmm. musicians anymore. Now they just have mm-hmm. conveyor belt of pop stars that X Factor garbage. What you know? And I think we're we're missing the people who are picking up the guitar and playing in the basement with the gang. Hopefully that hopefully that will all come back. I hope that will all come back. I didn't appreciate it as much as I should have at the time. But one of my favorite songs of all time is from then. I think. Um, don't dream it's over. I think that's one of the greatest pop songs that's ever been recorded. Breaks my heart every time I hear. When I play it, I play it a little bit more slowly. But anyway. well, well, we will play it with your song. How's that? We'll play it with your song. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them a bash. My God, ladies and gentlemen, first aired in Dublin. Yes, John, tell me this. What do you want to talk mm-hmm. about? Freedom. Life. Well, I think, um, yeah, yeah. Freedom is a very, very important thing. It's a, but there, and there are reasons it's important because we've got it wrong in so many ways and we've got freedom wrong, but, um, how did, how to do better, how to do better. You know, I spent, a, <laughs> I spent a lot of my life with, um, waking up in the morning with kind of a dull ache and pain and wasn't quite sure what it was. And, you know, it quite, you know, properly, I, I recognized it turned out to be, you know, what, what WTF we are doing with the world. And um, just seemed unfair to me, you know, I grew, I grew up in a time when, you know, everybody was, we're supposed to love everybody, right? And, um, and, you know, we thought, we thought we would be able to pull that off in our world. Do you know what Joni Mitchell said? She said, when we were kids, we thought we'd change our, the world, 
And when we decided we couldn't change the world, we decided we'd change ourselves. And when we decided we couldn't change ourselves, we decided to get rich. <laughs> yes. I think there's, a, there's, I think there's a case of when people talk about capitalism, I think that it's a bit skewed and somewhere along the way, people got a little bit confused of what it actually meant. Yeah, and, like right at the top, right, yeah, right at the beginning of it. The, right. the greed, greed, yeah. greed. It's very, very important, Joe, because if there's anything we're going to do to pull the world together, it's going to cost a lot of money. And capitalism is the best way to... The, prob, the problem with capitalism really is just that it hasn't been regulated properly. You know, one of the things you hear now, conservative, conservatism has been co corrupted quite badly, as, as has the concept of freedom. But, you know, you ask a conservative now, what does conservative mean? They go, even the liberal, even, the, you know, say, say well, you, everybody knows conservatives. It's just, um, you know, uh, less government, less taxes. But less government and less taxes really are dog whistles for something else. Let me tell you, less government means less regulation and less taxes means I don't want to share. Yeah, well, I think and, less government means having the right people in government and those yeah. decisions. You know, yeah. here it is. Look, before we, we bash that over the head and then I hang up on you and find my local politician and kick him in the ass and tell him that John told me to do this to you. Um, just give people a bit of a backstory about well, that's, you know, rags to riches. For those people who don't know you, you have five seconds. I was born Irish Catholic in Canada, and um, my friend, my name is French, but uh, that, that was, uh, my dad died when we were little guys. And so we came back to Calgary and lived, uh, you know, the way we did. So um, I grew up in a, in a culture that was not unfamiliar to me when I, you know, finally came to Ireland. Um, I was a hippie. You know, I went to jail for being a hippie in 1969. I sold some acid to some cops that were dressed up like hippies. And I did uh, about eight months, I think. And then um, after that, I, you know, had a, that, that was a pretty good view of the world for me. Um, I spent, you know, eight or 10 years uh, reveling in that and then went to school, became a lawyer. I didn't like that very much. Although I have to say the education is excellent. Uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about education in law is that, um, you know, the, you know, it's that old saw they tell you, um, Joe, the, the, it's a poor lawyer who stops when he gets the answer he likes because, you know, the other guy's, you know, you know what the other guy's doing. He's finding the answer you don't like and you better be ready for that one, too. So the education is uh, really, um, it's a very astute education about how to look at things from the other guy's perspective. And that, yes. that has served me well my whole life. Yeah, I think the black laws dictionary can come quite helpful uh, when we are choosing what words to say, especially if you if you've studied the bar as well. Yeah. And so I was a lawyer, and I repented myself of that. But you know the um, <laughs> you know you can take my what my grandfather say you can you can take the fireman out of the fire truck, but you can't take the fire truck out of the fireman <laughs> as he raced his car <laughs> through red lights and. <laughs> So I did that. And then, you know, I did a bunch of things. I tired of being a lawyer. And then I went out to busk on the streets. Actually, I don't tell that part of my story very often. But um, so I was a retired lawyer playing in the train stations, playing music and, um, you know, professors, people I used to go to school with walk by and they never even see you, you know, they don't even look at you. You know why? Because they're afraid if you catch eyes, then you have to give them a nickel. Mm. You know, you have to give them 25 cents or something like that. 
eventually we started a business in um, around uh, the end of uh, the end of the last century. <laughs> uh, we started a, a business that was like PayPal for online gaming, and uh, it was uh, it was a home run. We uh, we were doing uh, online money transfer in support of the online gaming industry, and um, when we uh, when we went public uh, in on the London Stock Exchange in two thousand four. Uh, we achieved the market cap of around $2 billion and I had 27% of that. So I'll let you do the arithmetic there yourself for a moment. Um, a laugh. Then, um, <laughs> a, a, a few months after, a few years after that, Uncle Sam put up his hand and, um, and we were arrested. I was, uh, you know, I was uh, threatened with three, uh, three charges, uh, conspiracy, money laundering and racketeering. And that added up to about 60 years. Was that in your Eventually, 50s? Pardon me. Yeah, was I was in my fifties. Yeah. yeah. Um, eventually I pled guilty to a lesser offense offense. That was a maximum five year offense. And I wound up doing 40, 45 days in, in uh, Manhattan prison, in Manhattan. I was in the same place that Epstein uh, woke up one morning and found out he had committed, he had, he had committed suicide. Yes. Yeah. It was the same. It was the same place they kept El Chapo, actually. But, uh, so I was in I was in good company there. You know, hang my glasses up on the bars and, and look out the window, and there was I was looking down on the main precinct for the Southern District of Manhattan. And so, anyways, I you know my my net worth ran from you know way way above three hundred million down to about you know, well, um, a few a couple of millions <laughs> overnight, and that was quite a rude awakening. Um, everybody wanted to hear that story of my life because it's, um, you know, I had jet planes and houses in Malibu beach and, you know, reading in restaurants with Cindy Crawford and the Simpson twins and, you know, all <laughs> John Cusack and Val Kilmer and all these cats were running around and, you know, they, they clapped when I walked in, right. They didn't clap for Val Kilmer. They all, they all, you know how they do it in sushi restaurants. When I walked in, you know, all you have to do to get the sushi restaurant to clap for you is tip them a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then every time you show up, <laughs> yeah. do, do you feel you were like um, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, when you got busted? Did you have that element of it? Um, I, I know that story. Yeah, no, I know that story a little bit. I was I was a bit different because I was raised differently than those guys. You know, I mean, we were we were 10 years earlier and we were hippies and we were like share, share, share everything. Right. You know, it was about it wasn't all about, you know, me, me, me. It was about us, us, us. And um, so I was I was more like a political prisoner, you know, because, you know, when I was arrested in the United States, um, Joe, uh, 48, 48 of the states, 48 of the 50 states operated gambling themselves. Only two didn't. Utah and, and uh, Hawaii didn't operate gambling. So if you're a government, you'll like this one. I know you you'll like this one. If you're a government, gambling is a good tax policy. But if you're an individual, it's a pernicious vice. If you think about it, Bush put an end to online gambling in in, in America. And you know, online gambling, I have friends here who are trying to get into the online gambling, they're uh, programming, writing games and yeah. the algorithms that, yeah. that they're, they're putting in. And you're kind of looking at it and go, you know, it's, it's a pretty picture online that flashes and an algorithm in it that, you know, makes the house the winner. You know, so it's yeah. you know, it's exactly so like the stock market. Yeah, well, yeah, well, it's it is that, and 
um, I believe crypto is like that as well. You know, I think it's. You know what, Joe? You give Bush too much credit. When he when Bush did what he did, he didn't change. It didn't even skip a heartbeat. It just, when Bush did what he did, then you know what happened? My gaming, no, it just went underground again. Yeah. yeah, Just went underground again. When we started, it was all online. It was, it was uh, sports betting, right? Bookies, right? And you guys, I mean, what's that James Joyce saying? It'd be a fine puzzle to try to find your way across Dublin without passing a bookie bookie, (laughs) or something like that. Right. But, um, then Bush did what he did and then, you know, tried to shut it down. But then all of a sudden, uh, online poker happened and it just exploded. It was, uh, you know, he did, you know, you'd, you'd push one end of the balloon, squeeze one in and the other end gets fat. Right? But didn't he so, make it as well that it was your credit card poker would flag up and there was all these other implications. That's what it, made us rich. Yeah. But this is what I laugh that people make decisions without thinking. Because if you make a decision where there's an industry, you basically cut it off and it goes underground. Look, Bush was Bush had a handler. That's all I will say. You know, he needed one. Which one are we talking about? Make sure I'm listening. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I was listening to you clearly. George W. Bush. Now he, you're surprised that he made decisions without thinking. Is that or, or, no? In general, I'm talking in general, right across the whole board. You know what? We need to stop bitching about paying taxes, and we have to use exactly the same amount of energy that we use on that, Joe, to make sure that our taxes are being spent on responsible things. That's what we should be doing. Like that's civil how we, servants. That's how we make things. That's it. The amount of civil servants is this country it goes far beyond for what is actually needed. That's, you know, there's that point on it. But look, that was your, that was your sort of, your, your life. And, and you're, you've sort of changed it now. You've, you've gone down a different route. Freedom, love, gone into a business, made topiest amount of money, got arrested, had a couple of million. Did your conscious change in, in this part of it? Or have you, did you just revert back the values you had in your twenties in the sixties and seventies. I, I don't know. I don't know if I ever really drifted away from that. I think you don't, um, you know, when you're becoming an adult, isn't casting off being a child, it's adding to it. Right. So I think, I, you know, when I was a peace and love guy, when I was young, I didn't, I never really cast that off, but you know, let, let me start here. Here's where it goes. I, I I've been a rich guy and those guys don't fool me anymore, Joe. I'm one of them. I'm actually still pretty rich by, by most people's standards. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I won't talk about it, but certainly I've got enough to gag your horse, but the, um, perfect. The, um, you go. That, the, <laughs> I have two horses yeah. actually. <laughs> Good for you. I, I must be reading your mail. Go on. The, um, we were told from when we were kids that um, the, the price of freedom is the highest price you can pay to pay with your life, you know, and, uh, and, and I think the, the first part of that is right. The price of freedom is the highest price you can pay, but that's not it. If it's only the price of your life, Joe, the, the, the fact is that only about one in a hundred thousand of us ever pay that price and everybody else gets it for free. And that's, that can't be right. You know, how many, did you die for freedom, but you get it for free. So, the price of freedom, freedom, I think, is that every day that we live free, we must strive 
as much as we can, having regard to our position, you know, our station in life, strive as much as we can to assure that all those who are less fortunate in the Freedom Department get the same things that we take for granted. You know, you and I were very privileged, you know, us white guys and, and just about everybody in the Western world really is very, very privileged. And there's all these things that we take for granted as part of our life. You know, we take for granted that we'll have, you know, integrity, uh, we'll have security of the person, um, security, and we'll have, uh, you know, um, f- access to food, clothing and shelter, access to the tools of self-improvement, education, access to health care, uh, access to basic justice and finance and access to a more or less healthy environment. And, you know, we, we don't always think about it, but we pretty much take it for granted that we're entitled to those things in the free world. And then the question becomes, if you're entitled to those things, you know, what distinguishes us from all the people in the world that, are, that don't get them? And the, the truth is that I, you know, I'm, I'm not a stupid guy, but I, I have not, I've yet to come up with a distinction that stands up. None of them do. I think we quite properly take those things to be our, our entitlements. Uh, but um, the, 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 the fact is that, um, uh, that there is nothing that distinguishes us from the lady that's starving in the Sudan. Um, she has the same capacity to dream. She has the same capacity to be disappointed. But she's a lot more disappointed than we are, Joe. And we have a responsibility to her. We have a responsibility to everybody else who is less fortunate than us in the Freedom Department. And I kind of a free, I, I kind of equate freedom with wealth. The things that the wealthy, and we are wealthy, you and I, um, and, and so, is, so is our postman, really, compared to most people in the world. And um, those things that we take for granted in our wealthy society, uh, you know, 80% of the world doesn't get them. So we call them human rights, but there's a difference between what I'm talking about and human rights. And one of the main differences is we don't have the right to call them human rights until we accord them to all humans. An accord isn't just say, well, you've got the human rights. No, accord means make sure that your experience, make sure that your experience accords with your rights. And so it doesn't make any sense to say there is a such thing as the right without there being some kind of a duty to assure that the rights are delivered. So now, now, now we're getting into the difficult territory. That is if we have a, if we have a responsibility to strive um, to, uh, you know, just make sure that other people are less fortunate in the freedom department than we are less fortunate than we are in the wealth department, uh, get a leg up. Um, you know, uh, how do we do that? Right. And that's a, and that's a difficult topic. And that's what I, that's the, what I've done, I think, is I've, I've developed the principles that I think that we should adopt moving forward to make the world into the Eden that it can become. And when we do, then we will have deserved it. But is it rights or privileges? Cause I think a lot of people, you know, believe they have rights, well, but all they have is privileges, yeah. especially in, in today. Yeah. I'm thinking just, about very basic things, though. The basic things in this world, for me, is someone being sovereign. You know, being sovereign and be, being that person and being titled to everything that that land that they are born on gives them. And this whole freedom that we are talking about, especially in the world that we are in now, is being tested. It is truly being tested. There's one thing that I'm saying to a lot of people at the moment, John. I'm saying there's a big shift at the moment. And there's two things that are helping this world through this shift. 
because you know we we know that people now are understanding there's economical problems there's social problems there's health problems there's financial problems all this is we're finding this out now and something that used to take us five years to find out now takes us five months and i think what's happening in the world is this two things which is speeding it up and is going to break the back and help us change one is the internet and the second thing is COVID. The internet is allowing us to have conversations and talk and connect. And COVID is allowing people to wake up and go, what the feck has been happening? COVID um, is going to help us go to school on what to do about climate change too. But I know, you know, I know you've got your views about that, but the world is heading down a dangerous path and uh, we need to become more mature about how we deal with it. We're quite childish. Sovereignty, you're right, is a super important thing. The part where it gets really complicated and very difficult, Joe, is when your sovereignty bumps up against mine. Yes. When your sovereignty bumps up against mine, then we have an issue, right? Yes. When, you know, well, let me talk about for yeah, just a moment about um, uh, the young ladies in Somalia who get their clitorises gashed off with, you know, ripped off old tin tops that are no good for anything else but clitoris gashing. You know, do we have no responsibility for them? I know that that young girl who's about to face it uh, wishes that we felt, felt some responsibility, right? And so, but those those guys the, the grandma that's doing it and all the, the all the men that are bossing her around um say well no no sovereignty you know we, we get to do what we want so that's one of the problems that's one of the fundamental problems that my thesis comes up against is can sovereignty trump human rights can sovereignty trump universal rights or do we have a duty to go against sovereignty my book has a picture of a, a little guy holding his hand out. He's holding his hand out, but there's a sword right behind him. And the sword is standing upright. And it's um, there's a sword there for a purpose. And so that's the most difficult part of my thesis is if people don't agree that they have a responsibility, they don't get to not fulfill it. We have to force them to fulfill it. They have to pay their fair share of taxes and they have to pay their fair share to support paying the price of freedom. Let me just say one more thing. People who are content with the benefits of freedom, but are careless, could not care less about people who uh, have, to have, to, have to suffer much less than freedom, haven't earned their freedom. They've only taken liberties. The, the reality of it is the Western world couldn't give two craps about the child dying the person for water. And what shocked me about this whole thing was the world rallied together and was able to do something that no one else could do when COVID came in because there was a will. Yeah. And there's a child that dies every minute. There's a person who's evicted from their home. Yeah. There's starvation. Yeah. And it was, it was said that nothing could be ever done about this. Nothing. But because there was no will, there was no will to do it. You know, and yeah, it's about right. looking after myself, me and I, where consciously someone should be looking after. Well, how can I help others instead of what's in it for me? And if leaderships or well, thesis or anything kind of looks at that and takes everyone as equal, rip down borders, nationalities, whatever it be, and goes, right, because the amount of money that's out there is unbelievable. There's enough, I believe that there's enough money 
wealth resources on this planet to help everybody. It's just a distribution Absolutely. of it sucks. And the amount of money, the amount of wealth that humanity can create is infinite. Let, let, let's look at it from the human resources side of it. Right, right, right now we have about 20% of the human resources on the planet are, you know, competent crew. Are you a sailor, Joe? Only, you know, 20% of the people on the planet are, are, are properly prepared to pull on the oars and 80% aren't. But if we develop that other 80%, there's so much genius in that 80% that we've completely forgone. We need their good ideas too. And when we develop them, the world is just going to get richer and richer. When you take, when you take somebody in, you know, in a, a, a rural place in, in Africa, like Malawi, for instance, and develop them, I'm not talking about bringing them Fords and Ford trucks. I'm talking about bringing them education, healthcare, and basic finance, and uh, basic access to justice, and uh, you know, an ability to make something of himself. You know, that's one of my favorite. That's one of the topics that I think is super important. Is how. The, 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 in America, for instance, you know, and, and Western cultures are very similar to America, but in America, for instance, the idea, uh, the concept of, uh, of human nature has changed almost 100%, uh, you know, 180 degrees since the beginning. Adam Smith, Adam Smith, the guy who came up with, you know, the, the invisible hand, um, thought that men, men, he called them men quaintly, he called people men, but I think he meant people are basically good. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, he think you know, if you, the best thing you can do with people is set them free to do what they think is best and they will do what's best for everybody. That was his idea. But, and that's a very positive, that's a very, very positive view of human nature. Now, what do we have, Joe? If we give this guy 400 bucks for COVID, we're going to make him into a bum. And if you give a guy 400 bucks for COVID, he's just going to come back for more and the whole rest of the universe. He does. That's not true. Most people, when you help them take what you give them and they try to use it to make something of themselves and to support their family and to grow and to become on, you know, become self-reliant. That's what people really want. So what we need to do is return to a positive view of human nature. You're listening to Joe Dalton on Dublin South FM. Crossing the Rubicon. The the broken window syndrome, that area, which is for people that don't know it, is, you know, a place that has broken windows and littered. And when you tidy it up, it gives that better energy and, and changes the the psychology of the people that live in the area. And, you know, the one thing that solves a lot of problems is money. And if you give somebody money to help them, then they can do the better life. It's like if you're in a very poverty stricken area or a troubled war torn area. Those people who are anti-establishment or anti-government because they feel that the boot of the establishment is on them. But if you bring wealth and employment into them, the people that are influencing them, like terrorist organization, whatever it may be, lose their grip because people mm -hmm. feel value and they're starting to earn money on it. And, and they see a crack, at, a crack at making a good life for themselves. Here's an essential point that we have to say to these neocon son of a bitches, Joe, we have to remind them that just because, you know, as soon as you start being generous, I know something about generosity. I know, I know a couple of things about it. I don't know if they, if you read this part in my, in my story, but Google will tell you when I appeared for sentencing in New York, they, the judge was told that I had given away way north of $50 million to different people. When you decide you're going to be generous with people and help them get a leg up, 
you know what? Yes, some people are going to beat you for it. Somebody are going to take you. Some 10%, 20%, I don't know, you pick the number, are going to beat you for it. That does not absolve our responsibility to the 80 or 90%. We still have a responsibility to do that, even though we're going to be taken for it. So grow up and go grow up and get used to it. Yes, you're going to be beaten for some of it, but you still have to do it. And in the end, the result is going to be more, you know, when, when you develop people, you develop productivity. And when you develop productivity, you develop wealth. And when you develop wealth, everybody gets more wealthy. Yeah, but the education, I think education is important because if you really yeah. want to really want to get into it, right, mm-hmm. all these places that are poor, we've, you know, or all these people that are not earning or all these people that have issues, higher powers, call them governments, call them the elite, you know, mm-hmm. capitalism mm-hmm. screwed, are making mm-hmm. money from all these. The reason why they're in this hole, every government is run as a PLC. When people kind of realized, you know, we can change this. And it's not about running in and burning the building. It's about, we can change this, but who do we replace the powers with that will do the job right? And, and how, I nominate and Joe long, Dalton. Joe Dalton. <laughs> and how long, does it, how long does that take? We can probably start it. It'll be a generation for it'll sure, be, Joe. It'll, yeah, it'll be a generation. Maybe five, yeah. maybe five yeah. generations, yeah. but that's no reason to not start. No, I know. agree. I agree. We have to, because John, in my honest belief that our ch- my children, so my young children and mm-hmm. people's grandchildren are being indoctrinated into a world that they will never know the rules or the laughter or the joys or the freedom that you had in the 60s and 70s because these are going to be taken away from them. I hope that my granddaughter, Ida, who's five, and all of her friends, when they're around 20 or 25, go, wow, Ida, that grandfather of yours was actually a pretty smart guy. Generosity has eternal dividends. The, The dividends of generosity are gratitude. I was just about to say, gratitude. And, gratitude and, has the power. And gratitude, people who feel grateful don't bust your balls, Joe. Yes. Are you, are you, are you a spiritual man? I am. I was raised a Catholic. Um, I, was, uh, I thought of being a priest until, I, um, uh, until things began to develop down below. Yeah, I um, discovered girls I was, when um, I was 16 and went, no, I don't want to be a priest. But I was introduced to the teachings of this really crazy cat from Nazareth. And I thought, man, that guy's stone. You know, love is all. It's, it's, and he, you know, he's a guy who thought, you know, if just giving alms is, is, is almost a, 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 a fraud, you know, no. Go sit with the people, love them, feed them, eat what they eat, heal them. That's love. That's what he taught. Not give alms. Give arms. I, and, then, I, and so anyways, I took that away from the, my Catholic upbringing and, and it, I've made a life of it. Spiritual. I've made a life of yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's like I say to people, you know, not everyone in this world is going to love you. I said there was a guy, you know, 2000 years ago that spoke about stuff and everyone thought he was mad. You know what they did to him? And they went, what? I said, they nailed him to a cross. And they got, oh my God, who was that? I said, it was Jesus. <laughs> what, would, what would have happened if everybody agreed with what he said? Maybe no one well, would have I, listened to him. 
it's, it's, it's unlikely that everybody would, would agree, Joe, just because the things he said were so stoned that we're still trying to sort them out. Still, right? still I mean, he was, he, it was pretty, um, he was a pretty amazing guy. There's a thing called the Gospel of Thomas. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. It was, an, it, was yes. An, it was, it was discovered in, you know, in, in the forties or something like that. In, Same way over the Dead yeah. Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And it came, mm. it's really crazy stuff. It says, he said stuff like, um, just for the people who don't know, it's about 120 short sayings that this guy named Thomas attributes to Jesus. Riddles. When I was a kid, when I always said the most wonderful thing would be, I don't want to see what the Pope in Rome says, the, Jesus said, what I want to see is, uh, can I freshen up your water there? Can I, <laughs> yeah, I want to, I, I want videotapes of Jesus. And I think the gospel of Thomas is kind of that, but he said, let me, let me just give, let me quote you one he says, you know, if the spirit made the body, that is a wonder, but if the body made the spirit, that is a wonder of wonders. And I am astonished that such a miracle has made its home in such poverty. The miracle of consciousness has made its home in the in the poverty of call it meat. Yes, if, and he was saying, you know, it's he was actually saying to us, Joe, isn't it amazing that the possibility and quite actually the likelihood is that consciousness came from meat, matter in the universe turned itself into consciousness. Think I about am, that. Yeah, I am. That I am. Like, if you listen to Thomas, and I've listened to a lot of his stuff, and I've listened to it multiple times, and trying to decipher the first time I went, the second time I went, the fourth time, and still listen to yeah. them. And, and, but as Good I listen to him and I get more into my, into believing of what consciousness is, I started yeah. then to develop an interpretation of what he's saying, or all of them. And, if you really, if people really want to get in, there is really so many hidden messages in all the yeah. scriptures from all the apostles that you have to kind of go and go. Let me just think about this. Like saying signature, the Our Father, it means so much. The church is definitely one of those institutions. You know, I don't. I don't think Jesus ever thought about making a church. No, churches. Right? Uh, yeah. same if we, the same. one thing I got from Thomas was, you know, you don't. We don't need any churches. Go out and turn over any stone. There you will find me. Yeah, but that right? was Peter said your church is inside. He didn't want to be I think building. when we're talking about the, the, the things that we read, the teachings that we want to cleft towards, I think we have to be very careful of teachings that have been in the hands of the Catholic Church for 2,000 years. <laughs> the, this is my belief of the Bible. Old Testament, grand. New Testament, good. A lot of it taken out. Somewhat have altered because... There is a gang in Rome who have said, let's keep these people under fear. You know, you have 80 years on this planet, and if you do something wrong, you're going to spell eternity in hell. What? What? 80 years in eternity? That's feck all. There's a lot of teachings, and I think understanding it after being away from it for many years. And it's helping me realize that we can be better people. We can, we have the ability to solve our problems, but all we need to do is take our ego, not our egos. We need our ego. Just how can we fix it, John? That is what I've done in my book. My book is called All's Well, Where Thou Art, Earth, and Why. 
And what it is, is a look at where we actually are in the universe, what we are, how great we are and how young we are and how far we've got to go. And I tried to put my finger on the principles that will take us and, and fulfill, you know, the principles that I've come up with actually, Joe, are ex almost exactly like the uh, American Declaration of Independence and the American Constitution, the constitutional talk. They're, you know, all men are created equal. We believe that all men are created equal. What are we looking at? The Constitution of Ireland. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All, all men are created equal. Right. But they didn't execute it very well. <laughs> right. First of all, they, they, they actually meant men when they were talking. It was not like Adam Smith. When he said men, he meant people. But I think when, when Americans said men, they meant men. And also they meant white men. And also they meant like rich white men. Right. That's what they wanted to be. They wanted to be the guys who controlled it all. But the very thought of it is that we have a duty to make sure that all people are are treated equally and uh, before before government, right? Before 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 authority, authority has has a responsibility to treat everybody the same way. And so, every, everybody's entitled to universal rights. Every the, those universal rights are uh, security uh, and respect of the person, uh, access to food, clothing, and shelter access to the tools of self-improvement and to health and access to basic justice and finance and access to a clean environment. And they're the things that you and I white guys in Western culture take for granted. And we have, and we must strive over the next two or three or four generations to make sure everybody else takes those for granted too. That's what oh. we should do. Okay. So let's pick one of them. Okay. Which one do you, do you feel is a, is a starting point? The starting point is uh, respect and security of the person. Uh, elaborate on that. When, it, when a cop stops me and I said, what's that? And he goes, you know, he says, he starts telling me, you know, and I said, well, why, why did you stop me? You know, and, and he said, well, you're, you've got something hanging from your mirror. Oh, here, I'll take it down. Okay. <laughs> right. And I said, and if he starts being, he said, you smell like marijuana. I said, well, yeah, there was, uh, I was standing around with some guys after that show at the club and there was a joint going around. Yeah, I smell like pot. Yeah. And he says, you know, that's illegal. I said, yeah, but it's not illegal to stand around in a parking lot. Try that if you're a black guy in Minnesota. Yeah. It's, right. It's, it's, it's Try that if you're a black woman in Minnesota. It's and a different you, story. And you, you get nailed. It's a different story. So we can start at home. And when, but the thing we need to do is help our kids understand what they can be dreaming about, what they can be hoping for, and what they should be hoping for is a world where everybody is treated with respect and secure, and and, and their security is assured. And so that's that's the really the best starting point. You're talking about America. Um, you know, is America the last standing point? Unfortunately, I think that the white person in America is using the black person to cause racial divide so they can keep their wealth up as well. That if money was pumped into the into places and everyone was treated equal. But I think there is white men, or there is not even white men, there's men, all colour, who see these places that are ghettos and are making money off them. Making money off making money off riots and making money off this and I read somewhere that there's a big corporation who were supporting fund the police because they want to bring in 
uh, more AI into the into the uh, the police. Someone is making money off some something. No, no, no. I think uh, people who have advantage use advantage to take advantage, and um, and in a way, I think that's okay. But where it stops being okay is when you take advantage, but then don't share properly what you've gained from it. We we should take our advantage, and we should make our advantage to take to 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 improve our our situation. And when we improve our situation, we have to share in fair part so that everybody else gets a chance to they're not and then they're not they're not individual duties it's not like you, you know you joe you don't have to go out and pick a kid and send them to school we should be doing it collectively you talk about there's too many civil servants this is sort of like the same thing about taxes i don't think there are too many civil servants there aren't enough they're just not doing the right thing civil ser- servants should be getting out and educating all of those uh, deprived people they should be giving them health. They should be giving them basic justice, and they should be giving them basic finance. Yeah, that's what that's what we should. That's what our taxes should be going towards. Like if you look at the civil service over here, say in the health service example, say there was X amount, and they said, okay, we are you know, there's people on trolleys in hospitals here waiting. Okay, and said, okay, we need to hire more people. So what they did was they hired more civil servants, but they didn't hire more nurses and doctors. You yeah. know, so that's when I yeah. say there is, and for head of population here, we are, it doesn't make sense. But going back to like in America, it's a different story. Like here we have free healthcare, you know, thank God. You have private healthcare, which you've, you may wait a while to get free, which you get in America. You still have to look at them. Yeah, but, it, but in, in America, if you get your appendix out and you can't pay for it, they put it back in. You know, it's, it's, it's. <laughs> It's it's a different ball game. <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty mercenary there. They're yeah. pretty like it's a, they're pretty markety about so, things. Markety. So if it's education and it's you know say we talk about everyone being equal, mm-hmm. are you mm-hmm. saying that are you saying that that has to be rewritten in your opinion, or because it was what you no. said about the white man, you know, it was greed, or do they have to go back to look at that and look at the true value of what it is? No, they just have to execute it the way exactly what it says. Men and men doesn't mean men. Men is men means everybody. Everybody, yeah. Men, men is created everybody. equal. Created equal in God's yeah. eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and they should all have the same break. They should all have the same encouragement, and they should all have the same respect when the cop car pulls up. It's a lot of work, Joe. It's a lot, a lot of work for us to. Uh, to for informed citizens to demand this of our of the the people to whom we lend our authority, people have to be educated, and you just you, you get to go golfing, but not until you've done your work, and your work includes making sure that you've got, you know, people with people with good souls in those jobs. That's what you need to do. I think one of the problems that we have in in this world is that we have allowed people to do our bidding and we have got lazy. So yeah. we have We'd hired, rather go mountain biking. Yeah. So we have hired John and Joe to represent us in the local council and Alison come up with the next greatest formula to educate our children. And we have Stephen who is in the political house making our rules and we've gone, do you know what? I trust you. There you go. As human beings, we're trusting. But what we have realized is that John and Joe and Mary and Stephen are 
excuse my language, I'll have to cut that out, are screwing us over because they think they they know best and we are idiots. And well, and they know what their best advantage is too. And we have to make sure yeah. lobbying. We have to make lobbying. Lobbying. We have to make these. sure that those guys do not use the authority that we've lent them for their own best advantage. Yes. And they, how do we do we, that? We've lent them we've lent them the authority for our best advantage. Yeah, they, they're there to serve the people, not so to, we have. Yeah. So we have we we have to supervise them. We don't. You're right. We can't just hand it over to them and but go mountain have. biking. But what we yeah, should we be have, doing is, but that's our but, mistake. Yeah, I'm saying so to we, people, we can't complain about them because we're the ones who let them do it. I'm saying to people, if you want to know, people need to go into these meetings and listen to what's being discussed read the documents, create societies or trusts of people in different counties and they can go in, well, this is what they're saying instead of Mm -hmm. them just getting free for all on it. Yeah. Series of ombudsmen, you know, this internet that you're talking about, you know, the technology, I mean, there's no reason why, there's no reason why most government isn't available to us online every day. We should be able to go into any meeting we, we want. We should be able to go into any meeting we want and just watch yeah, and watch and these watch. guys, how they behave. Watch all the empty seats in the in the room. <laughs> Have you ever seen a picture of what the Senate looks like when one of those guys in the States is making a speech? It's empty. There's nobody there. There's a big red button somewhere. There's the three PJs. guys with cameras and one guy with a haircut and he's talking. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this. The New World Order. Davos, you know, um, if you want to rich talk guys. about it or not, the rich guys, rich guys. Yeah, yeah, no, and, I want to talk about them. We need, we need, we need to crack down on those guys. Yeah, these are these. They don't are, fool me. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are these are these are rich guys making plans that everyone is believing that it's plans for better for them, but it's not. It's actually for the rich guy, and the guy in the street will never have any of that freedom that you want to want to bring into humanity. That's I think it's the biggest con and it's painted like a pig with lipstick. You know, you dress a pig or put lipstick on it, still a pig, still a pig. That's unfair to pigs. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, <laughs> you're right, you're right. I don't know, Joe, actually, I haven't been to Davos, right? So I don't know what goes you on sure? there. But you sure? You've got a ticket but, there. You, hey, you, I've been to prison, get, though, and I know this. Yeah. I know this from going to prison. That you can't generalize about people, even the ones at Davos, right? I mean, there are some people there who probably have the, um, a good idea of where, what, what their responsibilities really are. But they're, 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 you're probably not stumbling over them, as you guys say. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's not so many that you're stumbling over them. But, you know, when I went to prison, what I found out was that all, you know, the, the, people, that, uh, the, the people that are doing the worst damage never go to prison. Only losers go to prison. It's winners that should be going to prison. But so I don't know what's going on at Davos, but I, I know this. If those rich guys paid a 1% tax on every dollar they have over $50 million every year, a 1% tax, Elizabeth Warren's tax proposal, that would be enough to give everybody daycare, health care, elder care, uh, and, uh, you know, if education as high up as you wanted to go in every country in the world would it 
Yeah. Okay, let me go. Let's go back a step here. I was I was looking at you know what was going on. Everybody says as we make America great again, like it used to be. In 1950, in America, every dollar you earned over four hundred thousand dollars a year. That's the same as four million now. But every dollar you earned over four hundred thousand dollars a year, you paid ninety percent taxes. That's what made America great. Rich guys were paying taxes. And guess what, Joe? They still got rich. And when they whine about 1% or 2%, they won't even notice because they're making 7, 8, 9, 10% a year. I asked my stockbroker, he says, John, they all get 7% and some, most of them get 16% a year. So they can afford it. They can afford 1%. Yeah. If your stockbroker is only making you 7% a year, you need a new stockbroker. Like people say they're earning more money now, right, than they were in the 60s and 70s. But people are more in debt now than they were in the 60s and 70s. In the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s, you would save up to buy a car, a, you know, a chase loan or whatever on it. Or, but what I'm getting at is that people, you know, they're better, there's more money, there's more freedom. But people are more in debt now. It's like something's... Now you're not talking about the rich guys. You're talking about the normal guys. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm, yeah, normal but what I'm, guys yeah, owe more money. That's what I'm saying. Rich normal guy, guys, rich guys owe, lend it to them. Yes, that's where <laughs> I'm going. That the the normal guy owes more money, but it's the rich guys that that make it. And is it just as simple as going jack up these taxes for anyone that's earning over fifty million? Two percent over fifty million. I think it should be progressive. One percent over fifty million. Two percent over two hundred million across the board, everywhere on the planet. We all do it together, and then there's no place for those guys to run and hide. What's stopping us? Well, they can go live in, they, they can go live in Russia if they want to. I think Russia you know, is actually a better to, place. To ask ask Charles Cook nice. if he wants to live in Russia. I think so. <laughs> you could just buy an island. <laughs> you know what? And the, the, here's the ironic thing, Joe. If they did do that, Charles Cook would just get richer. Yeah, yeah, he would like, get richer. He'd have way more rich customers. Like Mr. Mr. Rich Amazon, you know, every if you look at Ireland at the moment with lockdown, which is over a year, all small businesses yeah. are closed for over a year. So yeah. everyone is suffering. You know, customers, governments are giving grants. Everyone's going great. But, you know, we, the citizen, would have to pay that back. Mr. Amazon has now 20 trucks coming off a ship every day into this country to supply everyone who was buying online where the guy down the street in the small business is killing. My, my biggest fear is that, you know, you have the great idea and they are raise those taxes, but these billionaires are earning more money or have more money than this country or many other countries. And because they have the power, very hard to, to influence them. They don't have the power except when they buy Mitch McConnell's and guys like that, right? But when we elect people who will take back the levers of democratic constitutional power, you know, the two two authorities that we have in in constitutional democratic institutions, the two powers that we have that those guys fear the most are, are the powers to regulate and the powers to tax. And the proof of it is how hard they fight against both of those two kinds of rules. 
The only thing we have to do, it's this simple, elect people who know how to regulate and know how to tax. And all those guys, all those guys will just, they're, they're just going to be sitting on, you know what they're going to be doing, Joe? Paying their taxes. Because okay. they like it here. John, we've run out of time. We've run out of time. I feel like it's not been an interview. I feel like we've just been sitting in a pub having a pint. And having, Wasn't that what uh, you asked me for? Yeah, well, that's what all of them are like. That's what all of them are like anyway. But this was good for you, Joe. It's a good way to it's a great way to do a show. Thanks very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. It really is. One of the most generous things that we can do to the other guy is pay attention to them. And you've you've given me a lot of that today. So I'm very grateful. Given you a lot of that. Where can people um two questions? Your website, if people want to reach out, what's your website address? Well, you gotta you gotta learn how to spell my name, but johnlefave.com. And so um if people want to, they can uh, you'll probably have my name spelt there somewhere. The website's being rebuilt. You'll get, you can see the books and also the music, the music. I'm stepping into the 20th century. Now, all of my music that I recorded in Los Angeles, um, two double CDs, um, are, uh, the first one is all up on, on, on all the streaming systems now, John Lefebvre. And, um, the second one is going to be up next week on all the streaming systems. So on all of, all of the songs tell you, it's all the same bullshit that I've been handing you today, Joe. So get ready for an earful. <laughs> John, tell me this. You have two books. What are the names of your two books? All's Well, Where Thou Art, Earth, and Why is the audacious book that I've been talking about, about mm -hmm. who we are as humans in, in the universe. And the other one is called Good With Money. Good With Money. It says, A Rich Guy's Guide to Gaining Everything by Losing It All. And it's called Good With Money because my best friends that this person interviewed, I wrote it with this person. This person interviewed them and my best friend said, he's not good with money. <laughs> not good with money, yeah, not. And the, can they be got on Amazon as well? Can they? Oh, yep. They're all, they're on all those, they're on all the electronic things to the, audio, I'm, I'm audio. just now, I'm just, I'm just now reading all's well for the audio book. So that, that's okay. going to be audio book uh, by, by this summer. So that's good too. But, um, you know, johnlefave.com is being rebuilt, but you can go there now and have a look. But next week, the new one's going to be on. And I'd be very, I'd be, I'd be just so tickled if people go there and have a look and see, see a little bit more about this. Uh. John Lefebvre, thank you for coming on to uh, Dublin South FM. And remember, here at Dublin South FM, we're interviewing plenty of people around the world, conscious leaders, and that's why we have the Conscious Business Podcast, which is part of the Conscious Business Academy, offering purpose, profit and prosperity in your life through soulful selling, mindful marketing, conscious leadership and creative culture. If you want to reach out to me, it's joedalton.ie. You have an awesome week and take care and look after yourself. <laughs>